True Crime South Africa is published in conjunction with Arena Holdings, publishers of Times Live, Business Live, Sowetan Live and others. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Arena Holdings and its affiliates. Welcome to True Crime South Africa. I'm your host, Nicole Engelbrecht, and you're listening to a Spotlight Minisode, in which we take a look at true crime cases that are in the media at the moment and discuss true crime-related stuff. If you started listening to True Crime South Africa during lockdown, you're probably having a WTF moment. If that's the case, don't despair, I shall explain. My normal release schedule for True Crime South Africa is a full episode every second week, and in the weeks in between, I release these mini-episodes, or Minisodes, as I like to call them, which are shorter and don't cover full cases. During lockdown, I decided that we all needed something to keep our minds off of what was happening in the world, so I temporarily switched to doing full case episodes every week. Although I really enjoyed doing a case a week, it is quite a lot of work to research, script, record and edit in seven days hence me going back to my original schedule. I look forward to the day when I can focus solely on TCSA and bring you all the content your heart desires. With that shift explained, I must admit that it's been so long since I last did a Spotlight minisode that I had to go back and check what number we were on. The last minisode I did was literally the day we entered lockdown. And if I think about everything that's happened since then, it's pretty mind-blowing how much our world has changed. Before I get into today's minisode, I'd like to thank our two new Patreon subscribers. A huge thank you goes out to Rebecca Link and Amory Kemp. Ladies, thank you so much for your support. I am really grateful for any support that's offered through Patreon or PayPal and I will leave the links in the show notes if you are in a position to do so. Other forms of support are just as welcome, including sharing of episodes and inviting your friends and family to listen. In Spotlight Minisodes, I would usually cover crimes that are in the media at the moment. I hope you'll forgive me though if I don't talk about Bob who was arrested for walking his dog Muffin, 14 metres from his house in level 5, or Karen, who staged a yoga revolution while having three toes on the beach sand in Camps Bay. I also won't talk about the fact that although our crime statistics have decreased significantly, which is fantastic, we do have a new type of criminal, and that is Tani Almarie from Kronstadt, who has been a law-abiding citizen her entire life a teetotaler, but does like to have a meeting with Uncle Peter Starverson Red out the back door, every now and then, especially when the grandkids are visiting. Tani Almarie has always been an independent lady and a strong leader in the community. So when Uncle Peter Starverson was suddenly not allowed to visit anymore, well, she had to make a plan. She called her son Pity in a neighbouring town, She's very proud of Pity. He owns a petrol station there. Within hours, 
Tani Almarie was loading her Ford Cortina with all of Pity's now banned stock and heading back to her community, where instead of baking cookies for the church fete, she became a black market dealer in illicit inches. Tani Almarie, I have one thing to say to you and all of those like you. How much for a carton? Disclaimer, Tani Almarie is a fictional character, or is she? And she does not live in Kronstadt, or does she? The following episode may contain sensitive material including descriptions of violence, sexual assault or graphic descriptions of injuries to victims. If you feel you may be triggered by such material, please consider this before accessing our content. To access trauma counseling or services, please see the helpline information on our show notes. In all seriousness, I've actually felt really bad for the police in the last few weeks. It seems that many South Africans don't realize that the police don't actually make the laws. They just enforce the laws that they're told to. I'm pretty sure that there's been more than one conversation in a police station parking lot about whether they really have to arrest Bob and his Pekingese muffin today. And is it necessary to pour cuff the dog too, or just the owner? The police have been hammered for enforcing the laws that they've been instructed to, and I really do feel for them, because although the rates of crime might be down, the really horrific crimes haven't stopped. People with nefarious intentions have found a way to accomplish what they wanted to do during lockdown, and at least five pretty horrendous murders have occurred since we all hunkered down in our homes. 14-year-old Simpiwe Sibeko was a bright and promising student when she left her home in Dobsonville, Soweto on the 2nd of April to get supplies from the shop. She told her grandmother that she'd be returning shortly, but by that evening there was still no sign of the girl. Simpiwe's family reported her missing the following morning and a police investigation found that she'd never made it to her destination. Soon, the news that no family ever wants to receive was delivered. Simpiwe's body had been found. The young girl had been brutally attacked, raped and murdered, and her body had been dumped in a nearby stream of water. Thankfully, arrests have been made swiftly in this case, and a 17-year-old boy as well as a 22-year-old man, will appear in court soon. For Simpiwe's family, this is little solace, as the promise of what this smart and hard-working young girl may have achieved in her life is now forever dashed. In a separate case, five-year-old Mzwandile Zito was reported missing by his grandmother on the 15th of April 2020, when she realised that he was no longer playing in the garden of their home in Orange Farm, south of Johannesburg. A search for the boy uncovered a devastating scene in a nearby tavern. Zwandile's tiny body was found between two fridges. 
he'd been stripped of the pyjamas he was last seen wearing, and his hands and feet were bound. The owner of the tavern, which was closed in compliance with lockdown regulations, is a neighbour of the Zito family. On the 20th of April, the tavern owner and his wife were arrested in connection with Mzwandile's murder. Since then, charges have been laid against the tavern owner's wife, but there is apparently insufficient evidence at this point to charge her husband. I will keep an eye on this case as it moves through the system. Around 4pm on Sunday the 26th of April, police and neighbourhood watch members in Mitchell's Plain, Cape Town, were alerted to the discovery of a body in a field just off Valtafreden Parkway. A couple had been walking through the field when they stumbled upon the horrific scene. The young woman did not appear to have been in the field for very long. She was naked from the waist down, lying face down in the sand, and her denim jeans were found underneath her body. Her torn underwear was found nearby. The woman had been gagged with a piece of material, most likely to stop her from screaming. She'd been bound with shoelaces, and a belt had been placed around her neck. While police confirmed that she'd been sexually assaulted, as at the release of this episode, the manner of death has yet to be publicly confirmed. The young woman's identity also remains a mystery, and with lockdown conditions in place, it seems strange that her family would still not have discovered that she's missing. Police estimate her age to be between 16 and 21. She was well-dressed and didn't appear to be homeless. The field in which Mitchell's plain doe was found is notorious for being a hiding spot for criminals. Local residents have long demanded that the field be cleared, as it was also not the first time that a body has been found there. On the 4th of May, Joan Woodman, the ward councillor of the area, confirmed that a contractor had been appointed to start clearing the field. The investigation into the murder will likely be slow until the identity of the victim is discovered. While it's not unheard of for police to solve cases where the victim remains unidentified, the nature of a murder investigation is such that, understanding the victim, their activities and acquaintances, known as victimology, is often key to identifying the perpetrator. I've yet to see a sketch of the woman, which I think would be helpful in identification. Hopefully, police are working on that. It is so sad to me that a young girl, who for all intents and purposes seems to live a normal life and isn't living on the street, could be gone for even a few days without her family noticing and reporting her missing. Someone knows this girl. Someone gave birth to her raised her and loved her, and yet, one month after her vicious murder, she's still lying unnamed in a mortuary. If you have any information about the identity of Mitchell's Plain Doe, please contact Mitchell's Plain Police Station on 021-370-1600 or 021-370-1600. 
0614-104-1730. Anonymous tips can also be sent through the SAPS app or 08600 10111. Another strange and heartbreaking murder case which has come to light during lockdown happened really close to home for me, in the physical sense. On Thursday the 7th of May, a female resident of Tableview in Cape Town was dropped off at work in Montague Gardens by her boyfriend. He was supposed to collect her from work at 4pm, but never arrived, and she couldn't get hold of him on his cell phone either. She eventually managed to get a lift home with a friend. On arriving home, she phoned her vehicle tracking company and they were able to give her the location of her car, which had been parked on a main road nearby for several hours. The woman took her spare key and headed out to retrieve her vehicle. Because I live in the area, I happened to see posts about the incident on some neighbourhood Facebook groups and several residents reported hearing the horrified screams of the woman as she arrived at the car and opened the boot. Inside, she discovered her boyfriend, deceased, with his feet cable tied together and a bag over his head. Many people have commented asking why she would look in the boot, and I think there could be a few explanations for this. It's entirely possible that the boot was not closed by the person that put him in there, or that it was not closed properly, and when she got into the car and turned it on, a light on the dash showed that the boot was not properly closed. A manner of death has not yet been made public, but if there was blood involved, perhaps she saw blood on the boot, or in the car, and decided to look in there just in case. Little information is available about this case, but I am confident in the abilities of the police officers in my neighbourhood, and I have no doubt that they will follow this case through to its conclusion. I will also keep an eye on it, and share any updates with you as they're released. I mentioned in my last episode that I was going to start reviewing both true crime books and crime fiction books on the show, and today I'll be doing the first of those reviews. Whenever I review a book, I'll put the title and author's name in the show notes, so you can find it there if you want to buy it. The book I'm reviewing today is a fiction book about a crime that we in South Africa are all too familiar with, A Missing Child. I've discussed quite a few missing children cases on the podcast in in the past, some of which, sadly, still have no resolution to this day, and others which have been resolved in the worst way possible, with the recovery of a body. A book I recently read called Ellie by Micah Wetzel paints a picture of a rather different outcome to a missing child case. The book is written from the perspective of the sister and parents of an 11-year-old girl who mysteriously vanishes. The outcome in this case is different to what we usually see, though, as four years after going missing, Ellie is found. What should be a joyous occasion, though, starts to lead the family down an even darker path when they have to consider the reasons why the girl who's returned 
is significantly different than the one they remember. In this book, which was a debut novel for the author, the reality of what happens to a family after a child goes missing is explored. Ellie's devastated parents hold on to the hope that their daughter is still alive, while dealing with the guilt they feel and the rift the tragedy has created in their relationship. Her sister swings between feeling forgotten and desperately wanting her sister to return. The book won two awards in Germany and is now available in South Africa. I highly recommend that you get it. It is beautifully written and covers a topical subject from a very different point of view. The book is available in all good bookstores and also on Loot and Take-A-Lot. I'll also be listing all of the books I review on my website, truecrimesouthafrica.com, under the True Crime Books tab. I hope you enjoy this new addition to the show. While I'm on the topic of my website, when I started this podcast, I would include full transcripts of the show in blog form on my website. Unfortunately, due to plagiarism issues, I've had to stop doing that. I would like to keep this option open. So if you used to rely on the transcripts and struggle with the audio podcast, please do let me know on my email, wordsmith195 at gmail.com, and I'll try and make a plan for you. When you go onto the homepage of my website, you'll see that there's a form there where you can submit your details to sign up for a newsletter. I've actually had quite a big response to this, and if you've signed up for the newsletter, be assured that I have retained all of the details, and as soon as I have designed and constructed a newsletter, I'll start sending that out. Of course, there will always be an opt-out option so that you'll never be spammed. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our Spotlight Minisode for the week. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow or subscribe to the show on the app that you're using to listen right now. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I will be back next Friday with a full episode. Until then, thank you for your support and I'll chat to you soon.